Yeah, in which case, I'm going to press the start recording button, which, uh, which, which means technically we are, I mean, we're not live. Hello, everyone in the chat. We're not live. Good evening. This is Rail Matter, but we are live for you in the future listening to this episode. Hannah and I are not live. Well, we're, we're live in our times. Uh, it's confusing. Don't worry about it, everyone. Um, it's episode 180 of Rail Matter. Um, po- probably titled Fly Less for Better Holidays, but possibly an alternative title that I will edit in right now. Um, uh, with Hannah Lawrence, which is exciting. Uh, we, Hannah is waiting in the wings, as it were. Um, before we before we go on and talk about the, the subject matter at hand, it's episode 180, which means we have to very briefly um, shout out the the, Adelant, the, the, the the Class 180 Adelante, the Olsen train. What's interesting about this, and this allows me a segue into t- talking about planes, because here it is in its original livery for First Great Western. They have a habit of catching fire, these trains don't mind, um, is that this is what the Pendolino would have looked like, everyone. So the, the, Richard Branson's tilting Pendolinos, originally they were going to look like this, this weird sort of Darth Vader nose. And here's a load of mock-ups, indeed a big plastic mock-up that Darth Vader, uh, no, well, I suppose he is Darth Vader. Richard Branson is stood next to, um, so they are for the nerds. But uh, obviously, it ended up looking rather different to that in its final guise. Uh, and also, there's a picture of the front of an Adelant of, of a 180 for the for the people who want to look at what train noses look like when they're sat in a, in a depot ready to be fitted um, if it crashes into something. Anyway, there we are. That's enough. That that allows me a segue from Virgin Trains to Virgin Flights because we are talking about tonight. We are going to be talking about um, the air industry, and not for the first time, because we've, we've got another episode coming out about the air industry and about how it's not economically viable in the UK, um, or it certainly provides no economic benefit for the UK. Um, that's another episode which is very interesting, and actually, I, I quite, I'm glad I've recorded it before this one, Hannah, because it's going it, it, there's some interesting stuff in there, even though actually that episode is going to go out after the one we're recording right now. It's very confusing. Um, so anyway... <laughs> Hannah's waiting patiently while I cold open this episode. Uh, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to introduce the episode. Everyone, welcome to tonight's Rail Matter. The InCity 225 fades, fades away. We are, we're, we're here to talk about, actually, we've said fly less for, I mean, the, the provisional title that might end up getting changed in post, everyone, there you go, a little peek behind the curtain, is um, fly less for better holidays. But actually, we're going to be talking a lot about bullshit flights, about private flights, about private jets. And to do that, I'm very, very pleased to say we have Hannah Lawrence from uh, Stay Grounded joining us. Hannah, finally, you've been hi- waiting to, for, for me to actually introduce you in, going, what on earth is going on? <laughs> what have I let myself in for? Hannah, firstly, if, if you'd like to introduce yourself, thank you for joining us, but for, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, tell everyone who's listening and watching uh, what you do and, 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 uh, and, and yeah, a little bit about Stay Grounded, if you like. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so yes, I'm Hannah Lawrence. I am a communications campaigner at Stay Grounded. Um, we are a international network of over 200 member organisations and we campaign on the issue of aviation and also on related subjects like carbon offsetting um, and the industry's greenwashing, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's something we hear a lot about and, and, and you know, we've, we've, we've had a, a recent episode looking at um, how boiler conversion is 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 a similar thing with lots of 
there are lots of lobbying, lots of kind of large scale, what end up ultimately becoming fossil fuel interests kind of uh, vying for what what's the right solution, you know, electrification with, with heat pumps versus uh, magical hydrogen boilers. Um, and so, yeah, this stuff is rife and we have it in transport as well, you know, solutions that purport to be the, the perfect uh, solve all that actually are not. Um, and, and we have it in, you know, in rail um and aviation is particularly guilty for it. I mean, just recorded an episode that talked briefly about Jet Zero, which is just, uh, was a report of government just going, uh, actually, everyone can fly as much as they like because it's fine, was essentially what the report said, um, <laughs> which is just a bit baffling. But, um, yeah, so, so I, I, I'm so glad you joined. So let, without further ado, let us, um, uh, let us talk about it. And let's start with the context, I think, because you, you've, You've sent through a, a few images to just sort of guide us through, kind of this navigate our way through a bit of an odyssey of, of, the of of the problems with flying, and and, and so this image is, is is a really stark one. I, I thought you might want to describe what we're looking at, and then and then um, and then talk about this a little bit if you if you can, Hannah. Yeah. So this is a infographic I sent through, which I thought was really important because for me when I. Uh, or for me wanting to work on aviation was a lot because of the issue of climate justice and yep. it's something we do a lot of um, focusing on at Stay Grounded and this infographic basically highlights the percentage of the world's population um, that fly and it shows that only 1% of the world's population cause 50% of commercial aviation emissions um, and 80% of the world's population have never actually set foot on a plane. So I think this for me, when I first heard this, it really just put it in context for me because I think in Europe, in North America, it's really easy to feel like um, flying is really ubiquitous, it's really normalized. And actually like this really shows what a small percentage of the world's population are responsible for the majority of aviation emissions and how much disparity there is and how much of a luxury mode of transport this is it is it's a it's a mode of transport for the few, for, for i mean for the few is an understatement for a tiny minority of the planet's population and yet the damage that it causes you know the impact of of emissions is you know, it's, it's it's pretty staggering um yeah, this this graphic's where you start. You know, even in the UK, even in a country, so so it doesn't. We don't have to look globally for that inequality. The the the, the discussion I had, um, uh, actually yesterday in pre-record land, was that uh, only fifty percent of people in the UK fly have ever flown. You know, it's it's even within the UK, which frankly is a very unequal country, that that inequality, that transport inequality exists even for one country, let alone looking globally. And and that eighty percent fact that 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 80 percent of the world's population never set foot on an airplane is is pretty stark it's a pretty stark so if we're talking about climate justice and the balance of who deals who faces the 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 the, the externalities and the impacts of 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 climate change versus the people who caused it uh this is a really good example of of it being very much the one percent aren't going to suffer the problems and everyone else is going to is is uh yeah pretty stark um so yeah, I mean, it's a really nice infographic. It's a nice way to to just capture that image. And I suppose if we if we jump to the next next image, it's it's like it's interesting to unpick that. So you, you, there's two categories that you that, that you've alluded to in the two graphics that you sent through: bullshit flights and legitimate flights that are 
Interesting, because the common thing that you get back is, and, and so you know, I've, I've, I fly to see family in, in the, the other the other corner of Europe, over in Southeast Europe, um, in Serbia. You know, I, I, I fly. You know, we're we're all hypocrites in this sense, and all of us have, you know, often those of us in this in this sort of sphere have have flown in the, in the campaigning sphere. Um, people in the global north generally, the, the chances of us having flown is quite high compared to those in the global south. But what are you know what 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 can we consider as, as a legitimate flight? What 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 everyone everyone has their own personal view, but on a what, how would you standardize that? What how would you look at that? And I suppose that's what these two infographics describe that you that you sent through. Yeah, exactly. So these infographics are the result of um, some research that we did, some polling that we did um, oh, in yeah, 2021, yeah. and they show the results of around 2,000 people's answers. So. The first one is about um, what we would consider bullshit flights, and the second one is what we would consider legitimate flights. And they're kind of a result of people's thoughts on what are bullshit flights. And when we say bullshit flights, we're talking unfair, frivolous, unnecessary. Um, So as you can see, things like weekend flights, short-haul flights, these incredibly low-cost flights, obviously private jet flights yeah. and then things like supersonic flights um, then going into deportation flights yeah. and business class military flights and night flights um, so firstly these were a kind of attempt to start this conversation because I think that's the first thing we often yeah. don't have this conversation um, and because like we kind of just touched on we don't always recognize that flying is such a luxury form of transport and that it does feel so ubiquitous we don't have these conversations around unnecessary frivolous flying and so that was kind of the first thing to just start this conversation that we feel we should be having as a society Um, and secondly to kind of start trying to categorize and identify flights which are unfair and unnecessary so, so the, that we can start finding policy measures yeah 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 because then because it's building consent and it's consensus building right and, and so even with you know even with the pressing need you, there is a need to build consensus so so just to clarify these numbers are the number of people out of those you said two thousand people polled the percentage who felt like a weekend flight is an, an unnecessary is a frivolous flight is a bullshit flight 96 percent of those polled felt like weekend flights were in that category is that is that what the what the result is is there yeah exactly yeah nice so so yeah it's pretty stark that that's a pretty pretty broad agreement that these top three particularly weekend flights short-haul flights and incredibly cheap low-cost flights i'm surprised that those are above private jets to be honest i'm surprised private jet wasn't like 100 percent 100 percent agreement but yeah those three weekend short-haul flights and incredibly cheap low-cost flights you know, all of them have, you know, 88 to 96% of, of, of people polled believe those are unnecessary frivolous flights. That's quite, that's, I'd say that's more stark, you know, that's more unanimous than I expected it to be. That's a broader consensus than, even, than, than I expected it to be. It's quite something. I suppose the thing that surprises me is that only three out of four people think that private jet flights are frivolous, unnecessary. It's still a pretty decent number, don't get me wrong, but that's that surprised me a little bit. I was like, oh, wait, what? Uh, and of course, I suppose that that's slightly worrying that only 60% of people or 58% of people think deportation flights are unnecessary and bullshit. Um, but I suppose that indicates that you probably had quite a good slice of society. <laughs> From the 2,000 people polled, it wasn't that you just polled 2,000 um, uh, left-wing campaigners. It was quite a, a broad polling of, of society, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's quite it's quite sorry. And then and you go down to the bottom night flights as people kind of oh you know. Hmm. But then you've got on the other you flip side of that. What's quite nice, Hannah, is that um, it's legitimate flights. Is is that is is people think well okay there are there is a need for flying and 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 people's understanding and 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 sort of consensus around that. Talk talk a little bit about that and 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 kind of how you came up with some of the the, the categories and 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 what you, what the response was. Yeah. Um, so. Actually, just quickly on oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. you mentioned just a second ago, um, with the deportation flights, for example, and I think this is why um, this was a really interesting exercise yeah. to get people responding to. We also got some quite interesting comments. So ah. with deportation flights, we did get one comment that said, you know, deportation in itself is unethical. It's not just the flying element that makes it so. If someone has to be put through you know, even more stress because they get deportation, deported, de deported in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some, so it kind of was really about opening up the conversation yeah. and, and discussing, I think what it really brought to the fore is this issue of climate justice. It's not just the flying in isolation. It's also about us, us having the other, um, these other social justice issues naturally, as with all climate issues, are always at play if that makes sense yeah 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 absolutely um yeah it's interesting yeah it's it's I, I, what other, were there any other comments that came out because it's quite in, it's interesting to know that there were some of these that these nuances picked out by people i suppose you know the, the consideration and one of the challenges you get with with flying is that um as ever one of the challenges with with challenges with punitive measures about any sort of restriction of ability is that the rich just pay their way through that restriction so you know whether it's parking costs invariably that that can mean that just more rich people are the ones who end up using that parking for example in inner city areas or or with flying if you make flying more expensive do you do you just make it the preserve of the rich and and actually so the, it's interesting there are challenges around low-cost flights in that yes we don't want bulk volume flights where absolutely people should be having a the cheaper alternative should be for them to get the train or then perhaps have uh, access to more domestic holiday options um but, there, but it's an interesting discussion there, and I suppose this what's interesting about this about the polling that you did is is opening that discussion out. Is like how do you manage the, the the inequality in terms of you know punitive measures to you know for example not having uh, air passenger duty. Well, you can argue that that makes it uh, you know having air passenger duty. You could argue that it makes it mobility more accessible to more people, which is a good thing to reduce inequality. I I would argue there is a there's more to it there because that discounts the fact that there's a lot of people who don't have any option to fly who have got those flights going over their head in Slough or in or or you know near the airport that have that flying is never an option for them and they have to deal with the consequences but but there is interesting discussion to be had there I think um so it's interesting that there was that uni unanimity so yeah were there any other comments that you found interesting in that polling anything that that, that came out um yeah that's a good question I think. In terms of comments, that's the main one that always sticks yeah, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting. It was interesting getting people's thoughts and feedback um, and starting to see a bit of nuance in the conversation yeah, yeah. around flying and its inequality, basically. Um, and kind of like you just touched on, and I think we'll probably discuss this in more detail later, but it's about acknowledging this and acknowledging this inequality to then um look at policy measures which would address that yeah. and would address things in an equal way yeah absolutely yeah i think yeah i suppose you can start looking at targeting frequent flyers rather than 
you know, rather than one-off flyers, which then I suppose is interesting because that ties into some of the commentary within legitimate flights, which I thought was interesting. So on the legit, if, if we, if we want to talk about legitimate flights, then yeah, you can see we've got, actually, I'll let you talk through it actually. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a series of things that are, that people, uh, there was consensus around feeling on what, what felt like the legitimate uses of aviation. So I, I don't want to pick through a few of those. Yeah. So, um, I think it all comes down to kind of what people consider obviously fair um, and obviously things like emergencies, disaster relief, um, those kinds of things obviously naturally polled really high. Mm. Um, and then there's things that seemed less frivolous, you know, visiting close family on another continent, um, especially, and I guess this is where nuance comes in, especially if someone doesn't have any other means to do so yeah. um, and is perhaps really constrained on a low income, doesn't have... Yeah, the ability to take four days off to get the train, for example, you know, that sort of challenge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then things which are, which kind of pulled lower, but are still interesting to be discussing, you know, staying abroad for longer mm. um, and then obviously things like safe escape routes for refugees, um, those kinds of things, it makes sense that they rate in people's fairness. Um, and I think it's, you know, starting from the starting point that everybody, you know, believes in a level of fairness and the importance of fairness. And it's what that looks like to different people and how we have this discussion. It's yeah. There's a social contract, isn't there? With so many things, there's a there's a there, there's a there's a dotted line within the way that our society functions, and and um, absolutely with flying, what the consensus around the, what is obviously or perceived as obviously a bad type of you know unnecessary flying. No one has necessarily. I mean, this is the, the first time I've seen it properly explored. Like we kind of all of us roughly have an idea of what we think is like, oh, you know, private jet flights, that's clearly superfluous. That, that's probably a de well, I, I, as it seems, less consensus around that than, than I thought, actually. But, you know, a decent level of consensus around it, you know, weekend short-haul flights, etc. But then things like, um, yeah, so it's interesting that, you know, business flights, you know, one in four people still see business flights as a legitimate, you know, as, a, as, as legitimate. One of the ones that I found interesting in, in here is, um, and I suppose there's quite a long title, which I suppose would include things like academic conferences, but international convenings necessary for building relationships, solidarity, and overcoming key problems. I would I would agree that there is there can be legitimacy in that. I know that I've got lots of friends who are well, lots of academic friends who are involved in 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 fl flight free campaigns and, and and trying to encourage academics to well trying to encourage uh, funding bodies to uh, to encourage funding of train travel and and the hotel perhaps on the you know an intermediate hotel as part of that rather than just paying for the flight um, and a bit of an uphill struggle so it's interesting seeing those included in there as well because that's you know there, there are things like that where actually it's as humans it's good for us to share knowledge and yes the internet is one thing but meeting in person is always more valuable than that and, and how do you do that over oceans or um, you know, across great distances where, where a lot of time would be involved. And, and it's interesting to see that's been considered as, as, as an element of that's been considered legitimate by the people you polled. Yeah, I think it's also about with all these things, there being certain questions we ask ourselves first about how yeah. necessary things are. Um, and, you know, there being alternative options. And I think that's something we'll come on to soon about the kind of structural issues at play and what this would look like and what these kind of questions around legitimate and bullshit flights would look like 
in a policy environment which mm. didn't privilege the aviation industry, yes. basically. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I'll try to avoid referring back to it more than more than a few more times. But it was the main report that is. It, it's worth noting that the main report um, uh, that says how wonderful aviation is for the UK economy was written by the aviation industry, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or paid for by the aviation industry. It's it, there's, there's no coincidence there. It's a very strong lobby. So we hop forwards to to talk. I, I'm very pleased because this feels like this feels like a reasonably easy win. Okay, not from a political perspective, but from a social consensus perspective. Um, private jets. So talk a little bit about private jets, about the impact of these little blighters on on uh, on the, on on atmospheric carbon. Yeah. So obviously, um, from a both from a uh, well from a climate justice perspective, obviously private jets are the pinnacle of climate injustice. Um, and I think that's something that most people can agree are incredibly frivolous, incredibly unfair, incredibly unnecessary. Um, so from an emissions perspective, um, they can be up to ten times more um, polluting than scheduled flights and 50 times more so than an average train ride. Um, so there's obviously a huge emissions problem here. There's also a huge issue around inequality. And we've seen recently a huge increase in the sort of number of people talking about private jets, campaigning on the issue of private jets. Um, and I think particularly in uh, both the climate crisis and a cost of living crisis, the very concept of private jets is starting to seem super ridiculous yeah. um, and people are sort of catching on to how incredibly unfair they are and how much they're kind of the pinnacle of this inequality in the aviation system more generally. It's, um, it's, 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 it's baffling that yeah, you're right. It's, there are lots of other more impolite ways to describe that. That you know, the fact that these private jets are flying around—it's not just the carbon impact. It's not just the, the 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 dripping privilege around it. But it's also things like you know, airports take up a lot of land, and in order to facilitate all the private jets, that increases the land take of these enormous and and often located in cheap areas near lower quality housing. Increases the land take that they're taking. You know, it, it's it's requiring expansion of airports to deal with the additional private jets that might not be necessary and therefore you reduce land use and blight accordingly there's so much that the kind of implications of this i, I grabbed another state grounded graphic actually uh, to, to kind of uh, add to the one that you sent through by the way there are loads of really nice state grounded graphics online everyone if you just google state grounded aviation graphics there's just a, a long list of it just google image search and there's loads they're great um, although I, my only tip my only recommendation is increase the resolution from 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 this one up to 1080p for your graphics person. It's my only, it's my only tip. Um, but there really, there's some really nice graphics. And so I grabbed this one because I thought it was really nice to look at what those flights look like. And uh, for, for all the people watching this, knowing where there are, okay, so Eurostar is a pain in the backside, particularly at the moment with all the additional security. But when that eventually gets fixed, which I really hope it will be, you can get down, like Rome-Milan is, there is a high-speed connection between Rome-Milan. It's a very good one. Uh, there is a very good high-speed connection between London and Paris, a very good high-speed connection from Paris onwards in all sorts of different directions, but to Nice, certainly. Um, the idea, you know, These are all pretty decent high-speed rail routes, so it's not necessary to have the... If, if they want... And, and all of those high-speed trains have, have business class sections, so if they want to travel in comfort and style, they can do so in a, in a, in a train. Um, uh, it's, it's pretty baffling that those... It's all local. Like, this is all very short distances, relatively speaking. It's staggering, absolutely staggering. 
there's another fact that came out that's just while sorry i've just gone off on it on while it's in my brain bouncing around i think it was today i saw on the news in the uk one in ten air passengers is on a private jet that's baffling that's absolutely bad. Actually, no, that's not that's not the correct is One in ten flights is a private jet. That would make more sense. One in ten flights, a private jet is with a private jet. That's baffling. That's that's staggering to me. Um, yeah, and as you say, completely unfair. Yeah, and I think this is one of the reasons. Um, I mean, there's obviously a number of things that feed into this, but this is one of the reasons we've got a current campaign running against private jets and for a ban on private jets and luxury emissions. Um, because we're also say, seeing, despite the climate crisis, despite the awareness and the inequality of private jets, we're seeing a huge increase in the number of private jets mm. um, being used and in private jet usage going up, obviously post-COVID, in the pandemic a lot of people started using them um and so it's a huge issue and it is growing um and like you say as you can see in the second infographic a lot of these private jets the most frequent you routes used are for ones which are really easily accessible by train um and i think this graphic also um kind of undermines a lot of the the suggestions that's often put forward which isn't justified but um, is often presented that it's for these important business meetings and it's important for the economy and all of these things. And actually, like, we can see in terms of the patterns that um, a lot of the routes most frequently flown are in the summer for holidays, like yeah. to tourist destinations down to Nice. Like, I think London to Nice peaks um, in the summer months. And so yeah. I think it really under highlights this uh, fallacy um, that's often presented. Um, not that that would make it okay, even if that were true. Yeah, and you just uh, you know, London, Paris, which as we you know, Eurostar security issues and and congestion problems and capacity issues notwithstanding, the, the, the huge number of those flights, you know, the two most popular routes there, London, Paris, and, and then London, Nice, pretty you know, uh, not far behind as well. You know, these these are served by rail, and. They are very easily accepted. It's just, it's baffling. That the, it's just, yeah. The idea that this, you know, the idea that this is all desperately vital business meetings going on or political, you know, or that it's politics, you know, going on. Um, I'm not seeing London, Brussels, for example, there. Brussels doesn't seem to feature. Because if there were lots of flights going in and out of Brussels, you might think, oh, maybe there's some level of, you know, political sort of activity going on there. But it's not. It's, it's It looks to be like holidays. Um, yeah, there, there, there are some good... The graphics that I was... I, yeah, there, I think there are some graphics you were showing that show that uh, the number of private jets in France has jumped up from, like, 18,000 to... To, to like some enormous number only in the matter of a few years there's as, as i say everyone go to the google stay grounded gra uh, campaign graphics they're just really loads of really interesting facts in there to just chew through and get angry about um yeah some really good stuff in there uh so if we jump forwards you've you've picked out a news article um and this one's obviously relevant to us in 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 in, in train world t t tell us about this article and 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 what um how does it fit into to some of the stuff we've, talk, we've already talked about? Yeah, so this is um, an article I chose because I thought it really highlights some of the structural issues at play. And um, so for this one, um, Greenpeace recently released um, some research. Uh, they um, compared routes on 112 
routes, so tickets, sorry, on yeah. 112 routes, and found that I think London to Barcelona was 30 times cheaper to fly um, than it was to get the train. Um, so this kind of is relevant, obviously, for highlighting the difference between train travel and airline travel. But I think it really speaks to the privileged policy environment that the aviation industry uh, benefits from. And there's a lot of different um, privileges that they have that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. I certainly wasn't aware when I first started looking into getting the train and when I first started becoming aware of the issues around aviation that, for example, there's no in the EU, there's no tax on kerosene, which is the fuel in your in, in a plane. Um, so whereas the fuel in your car would have tax and is taxed, there's no fuel tax on the kerosene that's in a jet um and thanks to or no thanks but due to a lot of industry lobbying um there's a lot of tax breaks that they receive and tax exemptions um and i think a recent report by um transport and environment found that because of the exemptions the very low ticket taxes like i mentioned the lack of tax on kerosene um and this means that airlines are actually um there's a sort of tax gap in the eu between if they were taxed fairly as many other industries are and what the tax they actually pay um and i think this study found that around 34.2 billion euros um in tax was lost in the eu yeah. last year because of this tax gap which just to put it in perspective is about the length or the cost that it would, the money, that money basically could have gone towards um, building high-speed rail track um, from Hamburg to Rome. So yep. it's a huge amount of money that taxpayers are losing out on, essentially, in terms of services, in terms of other infrastructure being funded by the tax breaks given to the aviation industry. Absolutely, yeah, and it is. It, it's these are stark numbers. You know, ten, as you say, thirty-four billion, tens of billions of euros of money that is that a, a, a there has been a political decision to, to to essentially shift that money from sustainable transport to aviation. That's essentially it's a political choice that that and and it's. It, it's interesting to explore where that comes, you know, the history of that. You know, aviation coming out of the Second World War was seen as a, as the great enabler. And unfortunately, they've kind of, in order to, you know, in order to not stifle that great enabling, then you just, you avoid any sort of punitive tax whatsoever. Let them run free. Let them do their thing. Uh, it's part of the reason why um, aviation industry, you know, why it took so many, so many, it took so many challenges in the aviation industry in its early years to become safe. Um, I know that's true for railways, but we did that 200 years ago. Um, you know, it took a long time for the industry to become safe, and it's and it's and it's still managing through a huge amount of lobbying to avoid the sorts of taxes that we see applied to you know driving, but indeed to trains. You know, to to diesel trains. D trains have to pay those trains have to pay tax on diesel. And in the UK, for example, at the moment, you have to uh, companies have to are charged an enormous amount for electricity because of the weird way that electricity is. Um, charged for in, in the UK. So actually, there's this huge penalising of sustainable transport. Another interesting point that, I, that's, that, I, um, that, that is relevant to this, in terms of, um, for the UK, in terms of the perceived 
cost of carbon, so the cost per tonne of carbon, which I think is about £245, is what the government sort of set that at. There's a really nice graphic that um, that, uh, that I might sneak up on here, actually, in, in post, which shows that at one end of the spectrum, you've got trains, which um, actually the cost paid by individual, or, the, or rather the subsidy, um, or there's a negative subsidy of about £100 or more, £150 for rail. At the opposite end of the spectrum, government is subsidising aviation entirely to the tune of that £245. So basically, aviation doesn't pay anything for its carbon output, whereas trains are disproportionately paying for their carbon output, even though obviously train train carbon output is uh, is substantially less by an order of magnitude. Um, yeah, so it's just this whole framework. So the, the reason I say that, it just, it just backs up your kind of this idea, this image of everything is set in the favour of the aviation industry. Um, and and it's, it's quite challenging to unpick, I, I suppose. Um, there's a lot to unpick, not just in terms of enabling infrastructure for people to not fly, but in terms of a lot of um, political capital that needs to be burned to reverse the situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that people aren't often aware of. So a lot of people will just come to this issue, you know, as consumers, they might be looking at flights, they might be looking at trains, and there's no, not so much awareness that there is this huge, like, network of subsidies and exemptions that means that flights are really artificially cheap. It's not, you know, yeah, it's not that that's the that's the fair you know that's the the fair and equal cost between the two. It's like oh, that's just how it costs. It's the the fair open market. It's like no, 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 <laughs> no. That's not how capitalism works. This is it's a hugely subsidised, an enormously subsidised industry versus one that has its knees uh, is is consistently kneecapped. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a little depressing. But again, the, the point of understanding this is that it allows us to campaign and fight to change it, right? It's it's not just that we're on here getting angry about it and huffing and, and, and shrugging our shoulders. That's why that's why you do what you do and it's why I do what I do is because understanding this allows us to inform people, inform consumers, but also to target politicians and, and make change happen. So if we jump to the next news piece, which I think is it ties into what I was talking about, about carbon costings, actually, um, tell us what this this other news article you referred to is. I think this this guides us into an interesting next sort of section of the of, of the piece. Yeah, so I wanted to bring up this article, which is about um, some research that showed that ninety percent of rainforest carbon offsets um, by one of the biggest or the biggest um, certifier are actually worthless and have been shown to be worthless um, in this research. Um, and some of them were actually shown to be potentially worsening global heating. So it's something I thought was interesting because I think there's a lot, and we've seen as we just touched on, the aviation industry does a really good job of greenwashing things. It does a really good job of presenting false solutions. And it's really hard for people who, you know, just going about their daily lives don't necessarily know that what they're being told about offsetting, for example, or um, about technological advances is actually greenwash and it's actually delay from the aviation industry to continue growing the aviation industry, to continue with business as usual and um, to stop any kind of pressure to implement effective climate solutions, which is hugely reducing flying. Yep. Um, so offsetting is obviously something that is 
uh, very often pushed by the industry and it's something that they often rely on hugely as a way of reaching net zero targets. Um, but there's a number of issues with this, as this article shows, carbon offsetting projects have repeatedly um, failed quality control um, and they, um, as this shows, sometimes are shown to actually worsen um, climate heating or global heating. Um, not only this, but it's often a lot cheaper for these projects to be set up in the global south. So this means that's where the majority of projects are and this basically creates or sort of re-entrenches inequality because it allows rich people in places like Europe, in America, as we've talked about previously, um, to continue flying whilst communities in the global south um, have these projects set up on their land. You know, it leads to land grabbing. They're often built on indigenous communities' land. Yeah. Um, they can lead to a huge loss of livelihood for local communities and the kind of final thing is that we need to, these projects often um, tree planting or um, rainforest conservation projects, which are some popular ones, they, we, we need these if they were effective, which often the offsetting projects aren't, but we need these to be happening, but we also need them to be happening alongside this huge reduction yeah. in air traffic um, rather than instead of, rather than enabling it. So it's kind of a way of the industry stalling and it actually prevents meaningful meaningful climate change it uh, climate action yeah, it just yeah. kind of is a license for them to continue polluting um and it's worse than doing nothing yeah and, and we've we've so on rail now before we've 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 talked about uh mining with professor ria francos talking about um you know these new capitalisms new colonial frontiers and carbon offsetting industry is unfortunately absolutely yet another new colonial frontier you know we're revisiting so we're replaying the, the imperialist hits uh, if you like and, and and essentially reinventing new ways of uh, of just exploiting the global south to just kind of do what we do and, and and shrug our shoulders and say everything's fine what's interesting is that even closer to home i've got friends who work in um scotland on uh, and there's an increase within Scotland. There is an increased interest. In fact, there's a, a heated interest in the carbon offsetting industry as a as as a an excuse to do lots of of planting. It's like no, no, we don't need carbon offsetting. Is you know, I'm willing to say it's a, a, almost entirely greenwashing as a, as an industry. We need to be doing the tree planting anyway. Like we can't, we can't, we need to be do, as exactly as you said. I, I'm I'm repeating you somewhat. I, I I I apologize, but it is. I just reiterate that point. We need to be reducing the sources of of CO2 output, CO2 equivalent output, and increasing the source, the, the, the massively increasing the amount of tree coverage on the planet. These things need to be happening simultaneously. We can't keep the the emissions high and then increase the forest output because clearly that's not enough to reduce the, the the rate of carbon output it's 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 very frustrating but there, there are you know okay the guardian's got a few articles here of like being a bit balanced on oh do we don't we you know carbon offsetting it's a necessary evil and some of this stuff but the reality is that generally it's not well thought of within academic circles and and and, and i think if you look at it dispassionately you, you you might say well it's not very good if you look at it in the context of who is pushing for it we should be questioning carbon offsetting very very vigorously because it, there's a reason why it's being pushed for heavily by for example the aviation industry as you as you as you rightly point out um yeah grim and yeah, yeah so this this headline is revealed more than 90 percent of rainforest carbon offsets by biggest certifier are worthless yeah 
not uh, not not a hugely yeah not not a hugely reassuring um uh, uh, uh yes yeah, not not a great assurance of uh, of carbon offsetting so so we jump to, to one of Stay Grounded's campaigns. I've actually put our faces on top of the Stay Grounded logo. Sorry, Stay Grounded. Um, uh, actually, I can I can fix this. Te- I have the technology to fix this, in fact. Um, so, there we are. Look, look at this. On the fly editing. It's not like I do, don't do this all the time. Um, there we go. So, ban private jets, end luxury emissions, sign the petition. Talk to us about this campaign, um, uh, if if you if if you will, uh, Hannah, because uh, we've so we've got understood the context. We've got this pretty pretty stark bit of imagery you've got here, and this you do some very good graphics at Stay Grounded. I'm just going to say that loving some seriously good good graphic outputs. It's it's good work. Um, yeah, uh, here we are. Ban private jets and luxury emissions, uh, and and there's this there's, there's a a a private jet with with a lot of windows flying up, um, with underneath it a uh, imagery from. Actually, I'm not quite sure which country, but it's sort of a, a flooded area. There's a flooded floodplain with a with a private jet taking off from it. So it's some, it's a pretty stark and, and and blunt imagery. I like it. Um, talk to us about this campaign. Yeah, so we've obviously touched on private jets already, um, but this is a campaign that we're currently running, and it is this is basically kind of our first demand. It's not we ban private jets and. The problem is sorted. It's yeah. we ban private jets because they are the pinnacle of climate injustice, and then we move on to frequent flyer levies, ending luxury yeah. emissions, talking more about um, policies that can reduce this huge inequality of aviation and massively reduce air traffic. Um, so this is something that is, you know, we're seeing a lot of traction for and a lot of calls for the banning of private jets. And it's gaining momentum. And across Europe, we're seeing a lot of actions. I think um, a couple of weeks ago, last generation, or maybe a month or so ago, last generation, um, spray painting a private jet orange. Um, So it's something that I think people are really um, getting on board with. And people are really calling for this kind of epitome of unfair travel to be addressed um and so it's something we're running a campaign on um there's more information on our website and obviously a petition that we're running um and it's something that is kind of the first step towards then addressing frequent flyers and um calling for more kind of stringent regulations and ways to tackle aviation's inequality basically yeah yeah Uh, and it's what I like about it is it's a very straightforward mission. Like the okay, the the, the mission is not straightforward, but the, the ask, the 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 statement, ban private jets, end luxury emissions. It's really neat. Um, it's 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 a clear clear statement of intent, um, and I think it's a good one that multiple campaigns can get behind. So you know the likes of of uh, of Extinction Rebellion, uh, Just Stop Oil, you know, these groups getting behind and, and, and the, in fact, lots of the groups that I think you represent that Stay Grounded pull together as a, the, the, this network of, of, of groups that, that, that they can get behind. It's, it's, it's really good. So yeah, I think you referred to some of the action. Um, so this, this, this next image here is, um, talk to us about this image that you sent through. Um, I think, I think referring possibly to some of that action that you've, you've talked about. Yeah, I actually put this image in because I thought it was a good kind of indicator of climate action and campaigners and a kind of good way to start talking a bit about some of the solutions Mm. um, and some of the things that we would really like to see and some some solutions which are so simple, like ending airport expansion, for example, putting an immediate halt on 
airport expansion, there's hundreds of um, projects currently in the pipeline or proposed to extend airports and runways across the world. And a kind of initial thing we need to see is an immediate end to, um, to those proposals. Um, and then secondly, we need to start implementing and as we've talked about, um, policies which put an end to this kind of policy environment which privileges the aviation industry. So a kerosene tax, um, an end to frequent flyer programmes and rewards for frequent flyers, um, fair ticket taxes, things which across the board address that artificially cheap price of aviation basically. A hundred percent, and it's it's absolutely critical. Occasionally, you hear arguments coming from from people pointing out that aviation represents a, a small percentage of overall global global emissions. But it's I, I push back on that, and I take us straight back to the first infographic you included, and that this is one of the most unequal sources of, of of CO two emissions. It's one of those sources that actually is quite straightforward to tackle. Like it's not that we're not. It, it doesn't involve a huge impact to lots of people's lives to cut out all private jets. That that includes that's a tiny percentage of the population that would be impacted by that. So it's actually very easy climate action to do. It might not be politically easy for because it's it's a, a lot of politicians mates who they'd be asking to stop flying around. But it's from a from perspective of the actual material impact on society, a very very slight impact for a, for a massive reduction in, in emissions and it's true again of, of, of airport expansion projects there are 10 airport expansion projects going on in the uk right now again uh sp spoiler alert for everyone who's who's watching this uh, live in a few episodes from now in the future there's another episode where we talk about um airport expansion and and uh, and and the policy framework around that in the uk um and, and why that's allowed to happen and, and how it's challenging to push back on it um through the economics of aviation yeah it's it's and it's, it's it makes for grim reading, to be honest, Hannah. It's it's, it's uh, and it's just like you've described in terms of of, of fuel and uh, the the environment is very much set in the favour of the aviation industry for its expansion projects. Government sees expansion projects and and central government overrides local authorities. So local in the UK, local authorities will go. Um, actually, no, we don't think this is a good idea. And central government in the UK has consistently just overruled them and said, no, no, bring it on, do the expansion. Um, yeah, very frustrating. So tackling that is is really key. And again, there's this as we're seeing this image here, yeah, nicely illustrates the, this level of grassroots interest, this, this passion to 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 get the problem sorted. And I think harnessing the fact that a lot of people who don't do campaigning feel pretty similarly about the idea that they're being asked to you know use use cardboard straws and and and, and like you know to do this and that less and think think more and more about you know personal choice when there are massive policy things that would just eradicate enormous swathes of carbon off the bat and, and the aviation industry is ripe for that absolutely yeah exactly and i think that's really pertinent with what you mentioned um you know, we've obviously seen from, for example, the infographic that you showed us um, about the private jet flights and the most common routes and how short those distances are. Like, that's so frivolous and it's so pointless. And that's why we talk about these bullshit flights and want to start that conversation. Um, and it's also interesting you mentioned that people often say, you know, it's such a small percentage of global emissions. Um, but it's such a huge issue of inequality yeah. in terms of emissions um, and also often the sort of emissions that are quoted for aviation are actually incorrect and they only consider the co2 impacts rather than all of the other um 
emissions yes. that are released, which make it a much larger proportion of global emissions. Yeah, and the high level, yeah, the high altitude of, of some of those emissions mean that there's an exaggerated impact in terms of greenhouse gas effect. There's an exaggerated impact of aviation, often not considered. Yeah, there's uh, it's, uh, to reiterate that point. Sorry. So yeah, in terms of the, the the physics and the chemistry going on of what's happening in terms of blanketing the planet, but yeah, as you also point out, the there is also clever accounting in terms of aviation emissions. So the UK aviation emissions do not account for a sizable percentage of emissions that we are responsible for because of clever accounting. So again, you know, the the the, the cards, the, the deck is very much set in favour of this polluting industry um, and, and those uh, and those who f fly frequently. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to jump forwards. Um, so there's this little graphic that you, that you sent through um, saying, enjoy the journey. Talk, talk a bit about this. What, talk a bit about what's on screen and what and, and these two sort of uh, this description of this narrative. To tell us about this. Yeah, so this is a screenshot from a guide that we put together, which was all about kind of how we talk about aviation, how we frame issues around aviation. Obviously, if we talk, as we talked about already, the aviation industry uh, does a huge or puts a lot of effort into marketing aviation, into controlling the narrative or framing the narrative around aviation. Um, and we wanted to talk about how we counter that, how we talk about aviation in a way um, that addresses the aviation, the huge issues with the aviation industry and its huge climate impact. Um, this is a particular narrative that we talk about, which I think is really interesting in the context of solutions, because it's a lot about how we can start changing our mindsets and changing the narrative around the way we travel. So it's something we call enjoy the journey and it's all about a kind of um, a new approach to travel, which is about rather than just saying, okay, how do I find the cheapest way to get to this place? It's all about how do I enjoy the journey? How do I, um, you know, don't not take that cheap budget flight and how do I, enjoy a train ride that maybe takes me through different landscapes, really lets me get straight into the heart of the city and um, I can actually make the journey part of the trip and enjoy it for what it is. Um, so I thought it was interesting to share because it kind of highlights how we can start rethinking about our mobility system um, in a way that's really equitable for everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, anyway, the challenge always with, with I, I'm not saying this next, I, so one of the things, uh, Dean and I have done, my wife and I have done is when we were going out to see her fam our family in, in Serbia is that a couple of times we have um, flown out and then got the train back. And so it's not a bad way to do it. You know, if you're doing those sorts of journeys that you, you don't have the time to have, you know, uh, three or four days in total dedicated to the journey, then then do half the journey uh, flying, you know, get, get a one-way flight and then get the train one on the way back. And we've done that, we did that twice and it is, it's so good. <laughs> Getting the train back through Italy, you know, a bit of time in Slovenia, uh, get the ferry across the Adriatic. This is this is the stuff of magic. You know, this is this is absolutely magical, amazing stuff. I cannot. And indeed, you know, that uh, as as I'll uh, tease at the end of the episode, you know, next week's episode and last week's episode was on 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 one of those journeys, one of those return trips using using the Belgrade Bar Railway. This is it's an incredible way to to connect with the the, the places that that you're passing through rather than flying over the top of them. 
Um, it's it's brilliant. Uh, cannot recommend it enough. And and, and you know there are lots of people <clears throat> making this point. You know someone like Mark Smith of, of Man in Seat sixty one. It's an understated website, but it's such a useful website to make these trips that that are frankly quite nebulous because you there's, there's different agencies for ticketing and it's all you know rail ticketing such a mess across the continent that it's difficult to work out what to do. Seat sixty one makes it all very easy. Um, and an incredibly popular website. <laughs> Because people do have this passion for this, and 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 flight shame has accounted for a renaissance in European travel. This is not just we're talking about this and hoping change will happen. Change has already been happening. People are travelling by train across the continent in enormously larger numbers than they were five years ago, even. So this so that this narrative is working. It's working. We should we should be quite excited by that. It's good to see it happening, despite the fact that fares are complicated, fares are expensive. Uh, Eurostar security sh- you know, sham all this stuff S- despite all that part of the reason that Eurostar is having problems is because so many people want to take Eurostar so many people want to take the train to the continent you know anyway um, now we talk about trains we have to talk about and uh, I I've, will recommend everyone go and, and listen to the um, Well There's a Problem podcast episode on uh, Trendmire but um, talk to us about what's on screen Hannah tell us uh, what is on here yeah, I just wanted to bring this up um, to mention. So it's a, an image um, that references Train Maya, which is a project in eastern Mexico um, where the government wants to link up um, Mayan archaeological sites with seaside resorts. And it's involved building this huge train um, network that is building straight through indigenous land. Um, it's disrupting local communities, it's led to the cutting down of huge swathes of trees and it threatens um, the water source for around 5 million people. So I kind of thought it was important to sort of stress that it's not that every train is a good train and train networks can still be really damaging and it's all about um, prioritising local people and local communities and their needs when it comes to mobility systems so um you know thinking about are is this about external interests where's the power balance here um who's funding this those kinds of things and also this um particular train project is um for a kind of uh, extractive tourism industry um, and that's obviously where a lot of problems come in and a lot of the issues arise with these um, huge tourist industries, which can be really exploitative. Um, so I thought it was kind of important to stress it because I think this kind of highlights a lot of the climate justice issues we were talking about yeah, earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, Trent Meyer is, a, is a, an example of one of the, you know, it's just a, a litany of all the worst ways to go about building a, a railway line. Um, you know, it's entirely for external interests. The, the, the interests of the indigenous population are are not just not heeded, but they're actively, you know, they're actively destroying indigenous communities. Um, yeah, this is an extractive, you know, the the railways have been in their past and continue to be in lots of cases deeply extractive. You know, we train good, but not all the time. And, and this is a really good example of that. And, and yeah, so it cannot just be a switch out with a, a, another exploitative form of transport system. You know, if you are going to build train systems, you know, if you are going to build new transport systems, they have to, you have to not just have the buy-in. Ideally, they would be 
almost built from the ground up by the people that they that that that, that will live alongside it, so that they get the benefit that, that, that railways can provide them. Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm glad you include this one because we we can't just be like, yeah, that, that's fine. Just now, we just need to plaster trains across the whole of uh, the whole of every continent on the planet, and 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 that that'll solve everything. It, it, it will not. There has to be there has to be justice. There has to be has to be equality in the way that this is this impacts society. Um, yeah, fantastic. I mean, fantastically painful that Trent Meyer is continuing to be pushed forward. So, I, I, it, you know, um, but there we go. And then there's so many other places you could be building trains <laughs> on on the, you know, in in North America. There's so much <laughs> the U.S. There are so many places where trains could be built that would not be causing any problems, and and still are not. Anyway, you end. This, you sent this this little graphic through that, that we're ending on. Um, 83% of people want to do more to protect nature and 74% of respondents want to shift economic priorities away from profit and growth towards well-being and environmental protection. Yeah, I think it's often easy to talk a lot about the problems, but it's really important to talk both about the solutions, but also about the amount of hope there is out there. Um, and I think this was a kind of useful stat um, that made me quite feel quite positive about the fact that those of us who want to see change are the many. And um, this is a, um, a response from um, a survey that was done in all G20 countries um, in 2021. And um, I think it kind of highlights the amount of um, social and public um, consensus there is for change. And, you know, we see every day so much campaigning on aviation you know um whether it's private jet or get actions against private jets um whether it's people campaigning against um the expansion of their local airport there is a huge amount happening right now um and i think that's a really positive thing that we can take a lot away from it is it's i do you know what i think that's a really nice way to to kind of end I, I, I on that positive note we, we often i end on a grumpy note because there's so many things to be grumpy about and and get angry about and anger is good and we if, if harnessed appropriately with the right information and um and directed appropriately but actually sometimes it's nice to end on a on a high <laughs> and a happy note um which is that yeah as you say yeah there, there there is that there is that widespread support for climate action frankly uh, relevant following the bloody Uxbridge um, uh, by-election in in the UK, and and all of a sudden everyone's talking about cutting green crap again, like Cameron said he would back in the early 2010s. Anyway, uh, but happy note. Uh, <laughs> don't don't let me drag this down to a grumpy moment, Hannah. We're going to stay happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so before before we we'll, we'll come back to Hannah for a, a, a brief final word, but uh, everyone who's listened to this in audio only format, thank you very much indeed. Uh, this pl- podcast available on all good podcasting platforms. Um, thank you. Drop a review. Apparently, that's a good thing. Uh, I don't know why, but it is. Um, uh, the usual plugs: patreoncom slash for to support this continue to happen. Uh, thanks to the Patreon supporters. slash merch to buy uh, items that have the Rail Natter logo on them and some words. For example, the Rail Natter, not a metro sorter, or things that say build HS2, or things that say uh, abolish the treasury. Uh, the abolish the treasury mugs are incredibly popular. Uh, please go and buy more. Uh, and then ideally buy one and send it to your MP. That would be good. 
Um, paypal.me slash gathdennis for loose change and abuse and gathdennis.uk slash discord uh, which is where the YouTube chat hello everyone in the YouTube chat sorry it's another pre-record I'm uh, currently uh, off on pat leave shared parental leave again um, is uh, gathdennis.uk slash discord yes thank you discord people discord server but before we say what's next episode uh, Hannah a, a chance to to talk about um, to talk about stay grounded actually uh so tell us about you told us what stay grounded do but what what how can people get involved how can people support stay grounded so you know if i jump to the to the website what i quite liked actually i sat on the website for a second and it, and the the kind of the 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 things slid past and there's a point here you talk about climate justice is is the say union representation thinking about taking workers from the aviation industry with us as we we talk about the demise of their industry well we need to bring the workers with us we don't want to do another factor to the coal, to the coal industry um so yeah i quite like that i like that pop up but anyway what, what can people do to, to support stay grounded and, and and what can we do to, to share what stay grounded do yeah um so as a network we're all about sharing expertise knowledge skills and um, campaigning together and supporting one another so people can join as a group um as a campaign group or people can join as individuals um so as you very kindly put up this is our website and you can go onto our website um get more information also find ways to join if you want to get in join the network um, or get active, um, use our resources um, and also donate um, towards funding the network. Um, and there's also, as I mentioned before, um, the private jet petition, um, which is also yes. on our website and you can sign um, and put your voice towards that call for the end of luxury emissions, basically. Yeah, fab. I'll include a link to the website and to the petition in the in the description for this um, for this episode. So uh, yeah, thanks thanks very much indeed um, uh, for 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 that, uh, Hannah. And, and shout out to stay grounded, keep doing doing what you do. Um, the last thing that remains for me to do before uh, Hannah and I say Hannah and I say goodbye is to say uh, yeah, next week's episode is. Um, it's uh, episode 181, the Belgrade Bar Railway, part two, Užica to Kolosin. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm making my way across the Serbia-Montenegrin border. Actually, I've not finished editing this episode together yet, Pete, behind the curtain, but that's because that's because time is it's uh, not a flat circle. It's wibbly-wobbly. Um, yes, but that's next episode. And indeed, that was part of a trip back from Serbia. We were making our way back from Serbia, and it involved um, trains. Uh, well, it didn't involve planes. It involved trains, ferries, uh, and, and buses. Uh, quite, quite, quite the adventure. And for, to be honest, the tricky bit was going from getting from Bar over across to Italy. It was a bit of a interesting journey. Anyway, it was good fun, and uh, that episode is it includes some pretty epic scenery. So uh, yeah, uh, get stuck in for that one. Oh, Hannah, <laughs> sorry for my waffling. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a, an absolute joy to have you on. Talk, talk through that. Hear about what Stay, stay Grounded do. Get a bit of that context for everyone to understand what's going on. Um, so if you've got any last words you want to share um uh, uh but uh, otherwise thanks very much hannah yeah yeah i think that's everything from me really um but thank you very much for having me on it's been really interesting to chat to you um and yeah thanks again for the invite yeah no a pleasure uh, everyone in the chat thanks for joining uh, everyone watching this and indeed those watching uh, after the fact an absolute pleasure uh, it only remains for me and hannah to say cheerio cheerio everyone bye bye